Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is the Data for Good podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company focusing on data positions across Berlin. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data science, analytics, and engineering, giving you a platform to hear the thoughts and opinions of data leaders from Berlin and beyond. Today, we are joined by Frederica Kukland, Managing Director and Data Consultant at Pandata. Federica, welcome. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Really looking forward. So are we. It's uh, an absolute honor. So for those who don't know, uh, if you could give us a little bit of an intro into sure. Pandata, um, five plus years in the team. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been I... a good stint. Yeah, totally. I mean, I originally actually have a business background. Um, I studied at the WHU Business School of Management. Maybe that says something to a couple of people. Yeah. And then got into data and it was more meant as a short vacation uh, and then getting back into the business world again. And I actually stayed in the data world and in the IT world, um, also largely thanks to Pandata. Because um, nice. as you said, I've been here for five years, um, definitely have seen a lot of stages. Um, and actually, yeah, basically have seen everything that Pandata has has to offer for its clients um, and now actually joined uh, the management, as you correctly said, last year. So really, really looking forward to the next years and the challenges that uh, may come our way. Um, short introduction to Pandata. Uh, we're a data consultancy, uh, mainly in Berlin, but also with an office in Bucharest by now. Uh, nice. We're around 40 people, yes. And um, we implement data infrastructures um, across the entire data value chain for our clients, um, which are usually like mid to large size companies, mm -hmm. mostly located in Germany, but becoming a bit more international in the last recent years. Um, yeah, I think that's that's roughly what we do. Awesome. And what a journey you've been on. And as a, a managing director and a data consultant, what kind of responsibilities do you have Day to day. Yeah. So, I mean, our clients, maybe as a disclaimer, usually approach us when things become a bit difficult. Uh, I think yep. we we usually don't see the perfect data setups, um, although we know they are probably existing. Um, but usually we get approached by our clients um, when they need help with implementing an infrastructure to answer their daily questions and their important business questions using data. Um, I think everyone by now knows why this is important, why you want to take data-driven decisions. And obviously some, I would say, business areas have seen a huge growth because of that in the, in the past years. Um, and some others are still a bit undiscovered, I would say. Um, yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, usually we work together with uh, usually the business stakeholders, so the non-technical yeah. stakeholders in a company. And we, we enable them by building a central point of truth for collecting mm -hmm. their data um, yeah. and then also kind of acting like the translators between tech and uh, business and um, discovering together within the data. Awesome, awesome. And you've touched a little bit on what we're gonna um, cover today. We're gonna talk yeah. about the reality of yes. implementing data infrastructures, um, theory versus reality, of course. So to simplify it from the start, what is a data infrastructure and how can it create real business value? Yeah, so a data infrastructure can look very differently depending on what your business is. Um, I would say the most traditional one that maybe most of them um, have heard about is a data warehouse, um, which mm -hmm. at the end is a database 
where you try to pull in as many data sources as you can. Um, yeah. Obviously, there are always limitations. Um, and you, by pulling them together in such a system, uh, you, en you, you enable uh, an analysis across these data sets and yeah. pulling together data that usually would sit isolated and you couldn't really analyze across. Um, mm -hmm. And then usually such an infrastructure is completed with some mean of delivering the data back to the to the stakeholders and to the business again, which traditionally I would say was more um, dashboarding or people that really write queries um, and yeah. are very technical in that sense. Um, and then this developed obviously in the past years where you have a lot more data science and machine learning coming into the game. And um, there are a lot of products that actually sit on top of that now, um, which yeah, help you interact with your um, with your with your data um, that or with your data infrastructure and also with algorithms, for example, that are running on it. Um, yeah. And I mean, ultimately, and I guess this is also the the biggest uh, change that happened since we first started talking. I think ChatGPT is a major game changer in that, yeah. um, making data infrastructure more discoverable and like more accessible, um, also to non technical stakeholders. Yeah, it's been a uh, baptism of baptism of fire um, with, with, <laughs> yes. with chat gpt and yeah the data world sees innovations particularly in the in the recent past very very um very quickly there's always something new happening data marts data lake data mesh yes how i mean it's difficult enough for companies but uh, a specialist data consultancy how do you keep on top of all these um, new innovations? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's like two sides to this, right? Um, on the one hand, obviously, we're we're always in discussions with other industry experts, and we're always exchanging. I mean, we have uh, also roundtable discussions that we are hosting because um, we're mm -hmm. always interested to learn in that. Um, and then the other side of it is obviously interacting with our clients every day is giving us quite a good insight on that um, because. I think clients are actually always very interested in, in making good decisions for their data. Um, mm -hmm. And then they read up on it and they come around with an idea and they're like, yeah, I think we should be implementing data lakes or, or a data lake, or we should be implementing a data mesh or whatever. Um, so clients usually always are very, like very vocal already about what they think. And then we yeah. usually, it's like our task to actually look at, okay, does this make sense? Will this be something that's actually benefiting uh, the client and the company? Um, I think especially because there are a lot of theories, but yeah. just because the theory worked for one company doesn't mean that it can be one-to-one -one copy to another company and it's going to mm -hmm. work out just as well. And I think this is like the biggest translation, like the biggest uh, friction we usually see that there are like these perfect theories that seem to be solving everything and then reality hits yeah <laughs> yeah that's what we're talking about and how how difficult is it to educate businesses on what they think they need mm -hmm. and what they've read about and maybe it's a little bit on the hype side versus what they actually need yeah i mean i don't think um that we really like to just look at it from an educational perspective but rather on an eye level together with the client discovering what they actually need because there are a lot of realities that you need to face in data infrastructure implementations and i think we rather try to i mean 
maybe say a reality check, but in a nice yeah. matter, right? Yeah. <laughs> so trying to, um, in discussion, see with the client what exactly is the reality. For example, what resources do you have? What kind of team do you have? Um, what is your historic infrastructure that has already been built up? How much have you already invested into this? And mm -hmm. what are maybe the shortcomings why this infrastructure is either not enough or not used? Yeah. And then this kind of opens up the solution space in which, yes, you can make use of such a of such a theory, um, but you can always also kind of mesh up your own one and say, okay, maybe we need a little aspect of that and we need another aspect of this, um, given the circumstances, uh, circumstances that we actually find in the company. Yeah. And where does it usually start? Does it start with the people and start in there or technologies? What's a good starting point? That is a very good question. I think um, traditionally we would have answered or Pandata would have answered uh, definitely infrastructure is always uh, the right starting point because from an infrastructure perspective, it feels like you always need to set up a certain ground level before you can step any further. Mm -hmm. And this ground level can actually also be uh, the foundation for doing a lot of different things, best case scenario. Yeah. Um, I think it changed for us, um, especially also in yeah more recent times, because I think um, there is like less this general notion of, yeah, we just need some infrastructure and the rest is going to solve itself. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is also like a learning that happened in the market and in the companies where in the past, there's just been a huge investment in infrastructure and like the top management was thinking, yeah, if we have a data infrastructure, sure, this is going to answer all of the, our questions. Uh, turns out it doesn't. Nope. Um, you you need to kind of also have a plan of what you want to do with it. And so by this time now, we're actually turning it around and um, we're more looking at, okay, what are the key questions that need to be answered? Um, and what, like, where exactly from a human perspective are we starting this? Um, mm. Usually we get pulled into um, projects from one specific business area. I would say marketing probably is the most prone to that just because there is already yeah. a lot of data available and it's already a very data-driven uh, daily daily life, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then you actually start from the perspective of, okay, what are the most important questions right now for marketing to answer and what capabilities do we have in the team? Um, and for example, uh, yeah, can we, can we build up huge infrastructure for the entire company? most cases i would say no mm -hmm. um, but do we focus on the core competencies of marketing and really enable these stakeholders and then make sure that the competencies that are being built up in this one specific business unit are carried back and are shared again with the organization and mm -hmm. if you're looking at it from the theoretical perspective i guess uh, the recent notion of data mesh is the most natural um state you can you can have uh, in yeah. terms of your data infrastructure and yeah i think like of course this also like data mesh comes also with a lot of concepts and rules um that probably are difficult to 100 implement in reality but um, i really like this notion of ownership for specific logic and for specific needs and infrastructure mm -hmm. with the teams that are actually using it um, rather than having this one central point of truth that is hugged by one team that's trying yeah. to serve everyone. So it sounds like the, the very, very first step is understanding the business problem before setting anything concrete up or any foundations. 
Yeah, I think the business question definitely, uh, and also um, just understanding that both have a like a good side and a bad side, right? Mm -hmm. um, like no matter how you do it, there's always going to be something that's missing and something that's really working out well. Um, and I think if you then take it a step further, so if you look, like if we if we start with asking, okay, what is the business question we're trying to answer? Can you implement an infrastructure? Um, then at some point you get to the point where that infrastructure is live. And I think then always a big reality check again actually is other people actually using the infrastructure because you came from a theoretical point of view where you said, yeah, we think this yeah. makes sense. Um, and I think the, the biggest learning there is um, just because the first round doesn't work out doesn't mean that it's not a good idea to do a second round on this. Usually it's like, minor tweaks in uh, processes or in, for example, educating people again, that then can mm -hmm. really fully enable uh, the usage, uh, usage of data. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be off the shelf and ready to go, plug and play. It takes a bit of work. Yeah, of, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, we also see that um, it's always best if there is a certain degree of freedom in such a system. Um, so, I mean, this is also like a bit of a controversy again, right? How much freedom do you want to give your users and how much yeah. uh, do you actually want to have the control over it? But <clears throat> if you implement such a system and you take away any freedom to explore, it becomes very static, right? No matter mm -hmm. if you're doing it only for one business unit or you're doing it for the entire company, if you cannot get people engaged and yeah. utilizing it in a daily life, um, you you like this data infrastructure won't pay off and it won't survive um and so we've seen it in the past that it works well that there is a more central point it doesn't need to be one but definitely some person that feels responsible for it that yeah. offers a tool or an access to the data so that people can work with it and try it out and explore but there is still someone who at some point says ah this is working really well. We should get this back into a more controlled setup again and actually make it available for the entire company and not just mm -hmm. for your personal exploration. So there's always like this back and forth, I would say. You need you need that person with a bit of responsibility and ownership over it. Yeah. All. Yeah. I mean, this is the entire idea at the end um, of data mesh, right? That you have different owners for specific parts of an infrastructure and mm they take care of it and collaborate at the end um, with it. Yeah. So you will have seen um, many different setups. Mm -hmm. So what would you say the biggest challenges are when um, with data organization and utilization? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, as I just said, making it usable um, mm -hmm. and really keeping keeping an eye on how far do you let people venture off with exploring and making use of data? And when do mm -hmm. you get them back into the boat again uh, to, um, yeah, to make it more stable? Um, and how do you really offer a good self-service solution? <laughs> I think that's also a big question um, yeah. that I think actually ChatGPT could be an answer to. Um, because in the past, you've always had to know as a business user what kind of data is available and you've had to learn a tool in order to click together an analysis and stuff like that, um, which I think shielded a lot of people, like scared them away. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I think natural language models can be a huge benefit to that because you can simply ask your infrastructure yeah. with certain documentation and a certain access to, to the data structure, but then it can actually return you quite some good results. Like we've been playing around with that to actually enable some of our client projects, yeah. um, which is pretty cool. And then I think, yeah, finding the correct or the, the best balance between, as I said, central versus uncentralized um, definitely is also a big challenge. Um, and I think accepting sometimes that things aren't 100% perfect and working with that. So if, for example, one team has come very far already or like three business units are working very well in one system, um, it's okay that they stay there, right? You don't need to move them again just because another business unit is trying out something else as mm -hmm. long as the, as the communication really, um, really works out and it's taken care of. I'm, I'm interested on the point you said about the chat GTP and obviously you'll have your, your finger on the pulse yeah. uh, when it comes to this. Once again, a lot of business people will be thinking it will solve all the problems. Technical people are a little more cautious. Yeah. How, how do you see it? Uh, I in, mean, this specific, in this yeah, specific, in this specific uh, use case. Um, I mean, I think obviously natural language models are changing right now the way that we're working, right? The way we're coding, the way mm. um, we're, in, we're working in our daily lives. So definitely data and data infrastructure is going to be touched by it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what we're right now looking into is very much the business perspective, because obviously this is where our stakeholders have the biggest demand. Um, and essentially, we are trying to set up a chatbot for your data warehouse or for your data lake or um, your dashboarding tool where you can simply ask a question and it then lists you, for mm -hmm. example, what data you have available, what documentation maybe says about the data and even uh, writes you a query and then returns you the result of the query. And then you can, you know, start working on it and yeah. say, okay, yeah, maybe I want to pull this in, maybe I want to get this out. And so I think that is super fundamental because all of a sudden a daily or like a, like any user within the company can really start making data-driven decisions by yeah. purely asking a question like you would be asking your colleague next to you and gets an answer in a few seconds. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, data literacy in that sense is going to become even more important because all of a sudden you have this very powerful tool in your hand. Yeah. And if you are not aware that data is never perfect um, and you still need to be careful how you interpret it, this might lead to some unwanted side effects, um, but mm -hmm. I think on the other hand, it's a huge boost in making really good decisions and not just going by your gut feeling at the end of the day. Which is what the data uh, data world is striving for. Um, anyway, yes. <laughs> exactly, the, the best decisions yeah. possible. What does it mean for the infrastructure to set up this kind of um, process? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think it definitely will make infrastructure more accessible, right? So there's a higher likelihood that an infrastructure will survive in a company. Mm -hmm. um, and from the perspective of the technicalities, I think um, your data needs to, or there's like finally really a need for documenting your data well, because the better you doc document your data, the yeah. better your language model will be able to, to handle it. And I think previously, mm -hmm. 
documentation was always a bit of a yeah you got to do it but who's, all been who's actually reading like, yeah. who's actually reading it right <laughs> and then i think it comes with the challenge obviously that you don't want to use a model that is owned by someone else if it's connected mm. to your data right yeah so we're actually looking right now in what are alternatives to JetGPT that you can host yourself that are not super expensive but are delivering you good results um like i think all of a sudden you're very deep into understanding again natural language uh, models yeah even though ChatGPT made it so easy to to get started with it all of a sudden there is like a lot in terms of data security that you need to take into account if you're really putting that into production um but yeah i think definitely it will make data infrastructure live longer or it gives a higher chance of surviving um, mm -hmm. it definitely sets a different focus on documentation again so business stakeholders can interact with it and um, there's going to be a huge debate about uh, or a huge block of data security and how to harness language models and your data together yeah. who do you think is at an advantage here is it the small um companies who can be agile and move quickly or the bigger companies with the bigger data sets better infrastructure even legal teams mm -hmm. who who's at the who's it everything better? comes with its challenges right i mean if we're yeah. talking about the reality of data infrastructures um i think you named all of the pros and cons of bigger and smaller infrastructures already um mm. That's a good question. Who's really of an or who has an advantage here? I think as soon as it becomes a bit more commercialized, I think mm -hmm. smaller companies will benefit a lot from it because you will not have an analyst in every single team, but every single team will have data questions, right? Yeah. Um, and so this this can really help. And I think in bigger organizations, there is always the difficulty of really pulling together all information. Like there's just so much more in terms of data volume and data sources that you need to be aware of that I think in the beginning, at least smaller companies will more benefit from such a, yeah, chat GPT interface. But honestly, I also don't know yet because we're still yeah. finding it out. So it could be that it's completely the opposite side of it. It's all changing very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is a case that we have the solution now and we're just trying to find problems to solve with it, <laughs> which is yes. cha changing products completely. Are you seeing yeah. that in, in businesses, just trying to find problems to solve with With ChatGPT, you yeah. mean, or with AI tools? Mm, yeah, I mean, I think they're, I mean, we traditionally come from the from the marketing space, right? Or, mm -hmm. Not traditionally, but this is obviously something that's uh, been like very like a big focus topic um and i think there you can definitely see that in the past years a lot of productization has happened so not so many things are custom anymore and i think that's totally the right way to go because why do you want to build the 100th time uh, simple marketing report right like this mm -hmm. is not going to be the competitive advantage that you have at the end of the day um, but it's really what you're making out of it um, in terms of yeah your daily usage of integrating it into the processes and taking the like, good decisions off of it um, and focusing more on the very specific implementations and use cases you can do for your business that only are true mm -hmm. for your business. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And 
on use cases, the businesses or the majority of businesses um, mm-hmm. that you're supporting, what what is their end goal? Is it faster insights, better quality mm-hmm. insights? What what's the the majority of companies searching or striving for? I would say at the end of the day, it's still the the central point of truth in the sense that if you have a question, there is a way to answer it. And it's not two people sitting with Excel files next to each other doing their mm-hmm. own calculations. So I think central point of truth still is a huge thing. Um, I think more and more companies are looking into how to activate their data. So it's not just about reporting anymore, but actually feeding it back to marketing platforms, uh, feeding it back into their systems. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, depending on what you want to do out of it. Um, and yeah, really, really taking it a step further than just looking at the data and mm. having like human interaction with it, but also really automating then what's coming out of it. What is the data product you're you're actually making out of it? Yeah, it's um, almost going to become a team member. So, uh... <laughs> and then, yes. And I mean, also the reality here again, right? If we're talking about the reality of data infrastructures, I think business or business stakeholders are learning or are developing more and more in the direction where they have really cool ideas. I I feel like Mm -hmm. there's a general education happening that um, business stakeholders, even though they are not technical, you know, read about it, hear about it, um, are generally just interested in it and then come forward with really interesting and good use cases. And then we're always super happy to to have it implemented. Um, But the reality often is that the underlying data infrastructure is still a topic even today uh, even where you feel like okay by now everyone has heard of data infrastructure and and yeah. how to organize it so we're still we're still in there <laughs> like we're still building data infrastructures even though um there are a lot of cool use cases and it's definitely shifting to that and we see a lot more of that happening I can imagine you come across a lot of uh, data infrastructure and data strategy experts from what they've read on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, of an overall view, mm-hmm. if you were to look at Berlin, what would you say that the general kind of health is is like of data infrastructures in general? Have we got a long way to go or are companies doing okay there? Um, I mean, I think uh, Berlin obviously is always very startup focused, right? Mm. So I think there, I feel like there's so much young mindset and innovative mindset that I think Berlin is doing quite okay in terms of data. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I think you see a lot of like exchanges with a lot of people here in Berlin that have really cool ideas um, and that Mm. are really thinking forward. so I actually think Berlin is quite doing quite good in terms of data um, from the people that I'm talking to. But yeah. obviously, I mean, no data infrastructure is ever perfect, right? So I think everyone you're talking to, no matter how good the ideas are, they can always name you at least 10 things that are currently failing in the data infrastructure and they just haven't come around to fixing it yet. So Nice. And versus the some of the companies and clients outside of Berlin, mm-hmm. how do they compare? I mean, I think it's a bit unfair in the sense that I think outside of Berlin, we're not talking to that many startup or small businesses anymore. Then uh, at least our clients usually tend to be a bit bigger. 
um, and there really it's very versatile. Um, you have everything from uh, very long-standing infrastructures that you know definitely were like good and totally right in the time when they were built, but are maybe just not serving the most up-to-date need anymore. Yeah. To companies where I mean you're positively surprised that with very little data infrastructure they actually managed to come a very long way and then yeah. it's obviously super nice to help them build up something really new and then there are others that are really far along already and when you're like okay yeah what are we talking about ah, okay cool mm -hmm. there is still a use case we can help you with but yeah I think it's it's very very well uh spread yeah. in that sense you have everything yeah, awesome. Well, I mean, we could probably talk for for much, much longer on this uh, on this topic. But let's finish up with uh, looking at time. Let's finish up yes. with with uh, one final question. What is the probably the the number one tip that you give to clients to help them make sure that their data infrastructure is getting as much value as possible mm -hmm. for them? Hmm. Can I say two? Go for it. I'll, nice. I'll allow okay. it. Nice. Um, reusability is the first. And mm -hmm. the second, as I said, is interactability. Can you say this? So um, essentially reusability in the sense, I think it comes from like the dry coding principle, like don't mm -hmm. repeat yourself, because that means that data will be more comparable if you don't have three different ways how to come to the same result, right? Um, and the second thing with the like access to it, um, you're actually ensuring that the people that know if the data is correct or if the data is utilized in the right way and whatever, that they have mm -hmm. a say in it and that they are actively working with the system. And that's quality assurance and it's... Uh, it's your reason why you're building this infrastructure so mm. yeah great advice well yeah unfortunately that is all we have time for today but thank you very much for your time uh, you. and rich in insights Rodrika. yes thank you very much it was great talking to you you too and all as always to the listeners drop your questions and feedback um, and don't forget to like and share so we can reach as many people as possible but it is bye from us thanks once again Frederica. Thank you. And ciao for now. Bye.